welcome to the Ice Guys, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is the show that takes you to the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a sports fan perspective. With pro handicappers Alex B. Smith, Andrew McKinnis, and Ian Cameron, and veteran sports writer Jimmy Murphy. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network, uh, Thursday, May 19th. It is Ian Cameron. We've got Alex B. Smith uh, back with us on the show today. And once again, another special guest uh, joining us here on the Ice Guys show, uh, Tyler Wyman, former uh, pro hockey player, I believe 14 years professionally uh, with his hockey career. Uh, Happy to have him with us here uh, on the Ice Guys today. Uh, Tyler, welcome to the Ice Guys. Great to have you. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Now, as we always do with the guests that are on us, that, that are on with us uh, the first time, uh, we like to talk about their black background, their playing career, uh, where they've been, uh, and how long they were at it. So, Tyler, give us the, uh, I guess, the Cliff Notes version of the Tyler Wyman hockey journey. Oh, boy, where do I start? Uh, again, grew up in a small town, Saskatchewan, um, and then uh, obviously now reside in Southside Edmonton here, Alberta. Uh, played junior in Tri-Cities on the dub for four years. Um, got drafted by the Avalanche. Um, played in their farm system for yeah a, a number of years. Got a cup of coffee up with them. Fortunate to play with a lot of their you know, Hall of Fame players and you know being a black ace, starting the season there, a couple of home openers. Um, and then uh, signed with uh, Vancouver and the Moose the one year. And then took the journey overseas to Europe. Um, four or five years over there and then kind of ended in um, in Asia. So that's kind of the, the hockey journey, kind of got all different cultures, lifestyles and um, formed a lot of good relationships with uh, saw ex teammates that I played for or with uh, in my early career. And uh, then now we're, you know, married and have kids. So <laughs> there you go. And time flies, I'm sure the whole time. I mean, every player that most players that we've talked to, it's like 14 years didn't feel like. Uh, 14 years uh, when you're uh, playing the game uh, that way. And uh, you are a goaltender by trade, of course, uh, during your career. So I, th- I think actually of all the players we've had, you're the first one that's a goalie uh, joining oh. us here on the show here on the end. Look, goalies are a, a rare breed. We know they've got their little rituals, their little traditions that they do before a game. For years, for me as a Buffalo Sabre fan, Tyler, it was watching Ryan Miller just stare at his stick, put the chin on his stick, just stare at it like he's just trying to get in the zone, get in the groove, get focused. You know, we see Connor Hellebuck these days for the Winnipeg Jets, you know, with his eyes darting left and right, left and right, left and right. It's looking looking like a guy that, you know, maybe the white coats are going to come after him with a straight jacket or something, lock him up or something. He looks like he's possessed or psychotic or something. But we we know there's certain goalies that look a little uh, – that, that they're odd little rituals. They're odd little habits, quirks, if you will. Did you have any? I would say no. You know, you have certain superstitions when you're having success. Uh, but I wouldn't say any quirky rituals with, uh, you know, I, the way I did things, obviously juggling, um, different agility things with throwing the ball against the wall, as you probably saw a couple of goalies do that, um, get in the zone before the game. But um, I think you just find a routine and, and a rhythm that when you're having success, that if you happen to do one thing, you kind of stick with it. But I wouldn't say anything out of the ordinary, um, whether it was at the rink or off ice. Uh, it's more you followed whatever you had success with. Yeah, no question. Exactly. You just if it works for you, you stick with it. It's kind of like sports betting and handicapping for Alex and I. Right, Alex? We've got a process doing this every day. Sure. If it's working, why the hell would we uh, not stop doing it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, yeah, uh, you know, sports is just a ritualistic thing in nature, no matter what what kind of angle you it comes from. So, uh, yeah, but I think I think everybody, like I said, you may not always realize it, you know, at, at times. And then, you know, with some some people, like I said, it becomes such a ritual that you have to do that a certain thing every every day. But yeah, then it seems that'd be more of a thing with goal. It's funny because my mom always asked me about that. She says, she says hockey players seem to have the most rituals, other than baseball players as well. And, you know, they kind of catalog them. And I'm like, well, most players probably don't even realize they're doing it until maybe even after their careers. It's just that they just go through the routine over and over again every day that it just becomes second nature. Yeah, yeah I would agree with that. Yeah. I think guys have a lot of different mannerisms that you see mm-hmm. for, um, you know, and then you pick your favorite. Now it's so prevalent that, you know, we have YouTube, we have that. 
that the younger generation are able to see and, and guys are so more advanced with um, you know different skills and uh, coaching uh, than than ever before so um, it's uh, it, it's nice to see and the, the game is uh, obviously better for it yeah. I got one quick question I know you, you said you played in a lot of different places I know you spent uh, you know a few years in Cleveland and of course you're in Europe you said you even played in Asia which of uh, those cities were your favorite to play in Oh, that's a good question. I, I know I get that asked a lot. And I, you know what, of all the places, each one has their own attributes that uh, that it possesses. And I, I know that's a kind of a boring question to say, but I, I really enjoyed all of them. There's there's a lot of people that shit on a lot of places that it's like, oh, why do you go there? The yeah. Cleveland mistake on the lake and they call it. I loved it. Well, I, Cleveland I takes tons of shit. It. Like, oh, we got to go to Cleveland <laughs> yeah. now. You got to be kidding me. I loved every place I played, and especially okay. Cleveland. Cleveland was one of my favorites. So, oh, nice. um, yeah, whether it was different places in the A or obviously Europe, and um, it's uh, everyone has its own attribute for different reasons. And um, well, I'll say Cleveland, for instance, we we shared with the Cavs, so it was nice right. to share a facility um, like that and, and see the growth and um, combine with you know they were doing well and LeBron and Shaq was there. Um, and, and making their run so it's it was nice to run into them and to form that kind of connection to you know at least root for root for each other on uh, respective teams nice awesome yeah exactly it's, it's nice to be in a city when the when the places when the city's hopped up for sports in general and if there's other teams other pro teams in the city that are doing well you know at the time you're playing there it's got that bit a better buzz greater atmosphere uh behind the city when that is uh, taking place so yeah, definitely. That's uh, definitely the case there. Now, you, of course, are an Alberta uh, resident right now, Sherwood Park. Uh, of course, uh, everyone knows, uh, even the people that have never been to Alberta like me, we know that Sherwood Park is a suburb of Edmonton. And, and I know that you had said to me before the show started that you've been attending uh, most Oiler home playoff games so far uh, here in the uh, postseason. So talk a little about the atmosphere and your impressions on the Oilers to this point. Yeah, it's, it's it's been great to see. Obviously, the city's in a whole buzz. Um, expectations are, you know, at a at a high where they should be when you have the best player in the world, and um, you know, the and you round. finally won the first round. That and they won the first round. So yeah, roller coaster there where we kind of I, I say we as a as a local now because obviously you cheer for uh, the hometown team and you know us having season tickets, uh, going to a number of games and and seeing the atmosphere and seeing the um, the moss pit as they're calling it here uh, outside is um it's just great to see with the scoreboards the live band um it's just uh nice to collaborate downtown with fans that don't get a chance to go to the game um at least you can you know have some drinks and um just uh to gather to uh to embrace it all uh together and um you know high five people beside you when you haven't met and uh game seven for example is uh yeah, it was electric. It was, you know, everything you want as a, as a sports fan and, um, you know, putting yourself in their shoes as a player. That's it's it's why you play the game. It's why you want to be a part of it. And um, it's why you pay the money to, to go to that and experience it. So, yeah, you know, I know what it's like to be a season ticket holder for a team, although it's not an NHL team for me. It's a CFL team. It's my Hamilton Tiger Cats here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, boy, we, we have no, we've, we've had some heartbreak over the last few years. We we're always good enough to contend for a great cup without winning it. Uh, that's where we've been the last a couple of years. But it's fun to have season tickets because yeah, it it's nice to be a fan. And you, you can speak to this, Tyler, but it's, and, and I'm a fan of teams. I like the Sabres. I want to see the Raptors do well. I wouldn't mind seeing the Blue Jays do well. You know, they're teams I support, but you don't feel as invested in those teams as a fan compared to if you've got season tickets. That's how at least I feel. Where you know you're there for almost every game, you're right there in the stadium. You're cheering them on. It just feels like it's a greater. You've got a you're you're a greater part of the team when you've got season tickets compared to when if you don't. Do you agree with that? Yeah. No. Absolutely. Yeah. We have a, a special connection, obviously, with the city and um, knowing a number of players um, that have are current and 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 past, uh, and then you know alumni that. I was happy to be a part of with uh, with a couple friends there too. Um, it's it's really a small small city, obviously in Edmonton that uh, it's intertwined uh, when you've been in um, and played at a certain level. So um, it's really uh, nice to to gather and uh, you know 
um, obviously when things are going well, it's it's great and everybody has their opinion as, as it's, uh, you know, a Canadian market and everybody thinks they're, uh, they're fantasy GMs when things aren't going right. So such as uh, last night's game. <laughs> yeah, exactly, which we will get to. That'll be part of our recap, which we are going to get into right now. Uh, the two games last night, of course, we'll start with the the Eastern Conference uh, game one with the Rangers and the uh, Hurricanes. I'm telling you what, if you're the New York Rangers, that is an opportunity that you let slip through your fingers. Uh, it was a textbook road game in the playoffs for the New York Rangers for about 56, 57, 58 minutes there. Uh, they had done everything they wanted. Their defensive game, I can't even I can't even say it loudly or, you know, I can't uh, say it enough. How much better defensively for much of that game they were compared to the Pittsburgh series where Crosby and Rust and Gensel are making plays with the puck and breaking down that defense time and time and time again. Of course, Igor Shesterkin and net was kind of shaky early on, although a lot of that was, you know, breakdowns in coverage, turnovers with the puck in front of him, bad puck management from the New York. The puck management was perfect last night. They always put the puck in areas where one of their guys could get it. And you know, that puck retrieval is a big, big part of puck possession. You have to put the puck in an area where your teammate can find it and then him he can make a play with it. And the New York Rangers had trouble doing that throughout a lot of the Pittsburgh series, yet they survived it. They came back from 3-1 down and won that series. And to see just the much-improved play for the Rangers defensively in Game 1 against Carolina it was brilliant. Unfortunately, it was only brilliant for 58 minutes uh, because Sebastian Ajo gets a brilliant feed from Seth Jarvis. This kid continues to just dazzle. And he's only like 20 years old, Seth Jarvis. He's played so well that, that Rod Brindamore basically had no choice but to elevate him to the top line. And, and he's making himself, you know, <laughs> he's showing you why he's on that top line. What a great pass he made to Ajo. And, of course, Ajo gets the first chance, sticks with it. He didn't do the flyby as well. They, don't they always teach you in hockey that when you get that first chance, you're going to the net, you get stopped. Don't go for a skate behind the net. Don't go for a skate into the corner. Stop. Look for a rebound right in front of the net. He did that, pounced on the rebound, put it home, tied the game with just 2.23 to go uh, in the third period. The building was just going crazy down there in Raleigh at that point, uh, and you figured momentum was on Carolina's side going into overtime, and sure enough, they win it in overtime with, look, uh, an unfortunate break for the Rangers, for Shesterkin, and of course for Ryan Lindgren, the defenseman, as the puck clearly hit his stick. And it was a perfect deflection. Unfortunately, it was by uh, <laughs> Ryan Lindgren uh, against his own goalie uh, for the overtime winner. But that's why they say shoot the puck at any time in overtime. Just shoot the puck. You know, don't overthink. I mean, Alex and I, we drive ourselves crazy ranting and raving about players that overpuck, that try to make the perfect play. Sometimes you just shoot the puck and good things happen. And Ian Cole did that for the uh, Carolina Hurricanes, the veteran defenseman winning it in overtime. Uh, for that two to one victory for the Hurricanes, uh, Tyler, uh, what did you think of uh, that win for Carolina? An improbable one, considering the way the flow of the game went for 58 minutes. Yeah, I saw I saw the highlights, so I didn't watch too much of the game. But just uh, initially, obviously, Hurricanes. Um, I thought they're 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 matched up well against the Rangers. So um, it's obviously one game that they're hoping to to, to grab, but uh, unfortunate balance that. Uh, when it goes off your D-men sticking in, um, I think they'll jump back on pretty good. It, it's nice to see Shashurkin get back and um, kind of lower lower the goals against a little bit to uh, to his expectations of obviously he's a front runner for the Vezina right now. So uh, that Pittsburgh series didn't go as planned, and they were fortunate to come out on top on that. But I think they'll be uh, they'll be fine in future games, and it's it's going to be a long series. So. Um, it's, it's one, they definitely let slip away with, you know, the tying goal, I think less than five minutes to go. Yep. Um, but, uh, yeah, they'll rebound and, uh, reassess things and, uh, probably be better in game two, trying to, trying to even it up. Yeah. It, it, 22 shots on goal in eight playoff games says occupancy in our chat for uh, Seth uh, Jarvis. So you do the math on that, you know, he's definitely averaging, uh, close to three shots a game. Uh, no question about that. So, uh, you know, he's definitely been a factor and a force. Uh, for Carolina, there's no question about that. And from a betting perspective, guys, it worked out well because my pre before the series started, rather than lay, like Carolina was minus 190 uh, in terms of the series price. 
And I decided I don't want to lay that price, but I think they're going to win the series. And I think they've got a really good chance to win game one with the Rangers off that seven game overtime win against Pittsburgh that they jumped that they didn't end up jumping on the Rangers like I thought, but they still won the game, which I thought they would. So I took Carolina to win game one and win the series, a combo at plus 105. And now because of them winning game one, I've now got Carolina at plus 105 to win the series. When right now, if you look at uh, every sports book, they're around minus 350 to win the series after game one last night. So I'm feeling good right now with that. That's great, a great price and a great value number in my pocket right now uh, with the Hurricanes to win the series at plus 105, now up one nothing. Uh, Alex, uh, congratulations to you, the draw. <laughs> In that yeah. game, Rangers and Hurricanes, and uh, that ended up coming through. And by the way, shout out as well because I don't want to. I was probably going to forget to mention this, and just clicked in my head now. Shout out to Anti Ranta because when it was one nothing Rangers, they had some opportunities to extend the lead. Extend. He made a brilliant pad save in the first period to keep it one nothing Rangers at the time. Anti Ranta continues to impress. Uh, in this Carolina Hurricanes playoff run, he deserves some of the credit. Alex, what do you think? What did you think of last night? Yeah, absolutely. And the, you know, the knock we've had on Antiranta has never been about his play. Uh, like I said, I, I remember watching this guy all the way back when he was with the Blackhawks. He's a great goalie. It's just that he could never stay healthy. And so now that he's seemingly gotten over that hump, he's been uh, you know showing out and, and, and making some big saves and keeping his team in games. And I thought, you know, we're going to see the same old. New York Carolina matchup last night when it was still one nothing going into the third period where Carolina was you know playing their hearts out but Rangers had that goal and if, if this was a regular season game Rangers probably would have won that game one nothing because throughout their their history over the years the Rangers found ways to beat Carolina in, in odd games where Carolina dominated the pace of play dominated shots on goal and still found ways to lose to New York but uh, like I said the tide has turned now with this team and the fact they were able to, to, to get that clutch goal to tie the game, he said not giving up on the play after uh, a couple of great saves by Shesterkin, and of course uh, getting the winner in overtime. The lucky bounces now. If they can start to go Carolina's way in this series, that, that's a good sign for them and a really tough spot for uh, the New York Rangers. And uh, congrats to Gerald Gallant, who is one of the three finalists for the Jack Adams Trophy. Yes, uh, and which I'm really excited about because I got him at plus fourteen to one. I bet that the night before opening night. So I'm really hoping he gets that uh, that award, that cash that ticket for sure. But this is going to be a fun series, a back and forth one. And, and Ian, you're in great uh, position, like you said, right now. You got plus 105. You could even go back and maybe secure profit either way on who wins the series with with the Rangers now because they're at plus 300 or up to plus 310. So yep. uh, you got a lot that you can do with that. So uh, good position for you. And like I said, I got lucky to hit the draw. It's the first one I've hit all postseason because normally we see overtimes left and right. This is only the eighth post, uh, the eighth overtime this postseason, so uh, it's been uncharacteristic for sure. And of course, that's led to the higher scoring, which <laughs> that leads to the second game that happened last night. That's about as high a scoring as we we've seen uh, in the postseason quite some time. It's funny, uh, and we'll get to the Battle of Alberta uh, in just a sec, but. I would not have predicted coming into these playoffs. You would have said to me that so far on May 19th, second rounds just started. Ian Cameron's actually cashed more draw bets than Alex. <laughs> yeah, it's, right. It's absolutely <laughs> insane. Because I had the two in game seven on Sunday. That's right. Yeah, Alex, yeah, yeah. Calgary and with the Rangers <laughs> in Pittsburgh. And that was your first, which is stunning yeah. to me. Uh, that that no, actually, no. You know what? No, this was my second. I had I had Tampa, Toronto when they went the overtime in Game Five. This is there the second one. Okay, so we're so even. there we go. We're yeah. even. There we go. So that that's more like <laughs> it. I expect you to beat me. With, uh, profit right. uh, draw wagers, no <laughs> doubt. Um, so we talked about Edmonton, uh, Calgary yesterday, and by the way, uh, Luke Olivier Bland was great, uh, our guest yesterday, uh, and we talked about this game. And I and we I liked the over. Andrew liked the over. I think most of us did. We thought it would be high scoring because we looked at it and we saw Edmonton have a million chances for goals against L.A., you know, and Jonathan Quick was just remarkable and the puck just wouldn't go in enough. And the only like two nothing in game seven could have been six nothing without Jonathan Quick played in that game for the Kings. Uh, you cut, uh, same thing with Calgary against Dallas in game seven against Jake Ottinger. I mean, they could have had 10 goals. And you know, Jake Ottinger, one of the brilliant single game performances in recent Stanley Cup playoff history. And I figured now that they're playing each other, they both play Dallas and L.A., these pretty stingy, solidly structured defensive teams. Now they play each other, watch the fireworks happen. And I, I we half kidded yesterday, half joked. 
that the last meeting between these two teams in the regular season was 9-5. Maybe we'll see a 9-5 game again tonight, but we'd half joke that. Sure enough, 9-6 <laughs> for the Calgary Flames last night uh, in game one of the Battle of Alberta. Just a batshit crazy a hockey game. There's no question about that. Back It started with the two goals early on. And how about our guest yesterday, Luke, getting the uh, best bet in the first minute of that Battle of Alberta. His best bet was Elias Lindholm to score a goal at plus 165, and he gets that uh, bet cashed in the first minute of the game. So well done there. Uh, and then the goals just came flying left and right. And look, Calgary, Calgary completely dominated the game. But here's the issue that I have with Calgary. It's the same thing I said yesterday, and it's we saw it come to light last night. Uh, they had the lead. They had all. They had the huge edge in shots, which I expected. That's usually what Calgary does. They'll outshoot their opponent, like they did against Dallas. And on on the surface, it's going to look like Edmonton not many shots on goal, right? Which people assume not many chances. Well, it's true, not as many shots or chances. But the shots and the chances that Edmonton got last night. We're all high danger, high quality, tremendous looks on goal, and the kind of shit that could get Calgary in trouble uh, in this series. And the stuff that they got away with against Dallas. I thought in game six and seven against Dallas, you're going to look and see the how Calgary outshot Dallas significantly. And yes, that's true. But the few shots and few chances that Dallas got, they were high quality. I mean, they let Miro Haskin and walk right in from the blue line untouched you know, right to the net for a couple of chances. That's bad defense. That's given up way too good of a chance when you're doing that. And Calgary was guilty of that. They got away with it. Why? Because Dallas just doesn't have great finishers. They don't have that great finishing ability that obviously we saw last night that Edmonton does. So if Calgary's not going to, you know, it's nice to only give up a few shots and chances, but when everything you're giving up of those few shots and chances is high quality, you can still get yourself into trouble when you're playing a team like the Edmonton Oilers. So that's the issue. And Jacob Markstrom was uncharacteristically awful last night. He really was. I mean, he was not good at all, uh, Jacob Markstrom, last night. Off the angle, puck going in between his body and his and his arm. That can't happen for a goalie. Uh, losing the angle on multiple Edmonton shooters last night. I mean, that that's the – and Tyler can speak to that. Uh, you know, he's a guy that played goaltender. Uh, he didn't look like a goalie that was on his game, was fighting it, was losing his confidence, losing the net uh, a little bit last night. And obviously Mike Smith had a tough start to the game. That third goal he's got to have. But to put all the blame on Mike Smith is absurd. I mean, Edmonton didn't come out ready uh, for that game. It was a horrible start. They dug themselves a hole. They played terrible defensively, breakdowns left and right. Yeah, Mike Smith wants one, of, one or two of those back, but he didn't have any help. Uh, and, and then I'm seeing on Twitter, that's it for Mike Smith. You know, he had a nice L.A. series, but back to the old Mike Smith last night. It's time to put him on the bench. That's a ridiculous opinion. You really think things are going to be better for you in this series and a greater shot to win with Miko Koskinen? Did you see Miko last night? Did you see that backbreaker he gave up, that killer goal through the wickets when it was, what, 7-6 at the time? It was the dagger goal, the 8-6 goal to Kachuk. That, that's got to be stopped. You think you're better off with Koskinen? No. You go back to Mike Smith in game two. That's what Jay Woodcroft for sure is going to do. It's the right move. Calm down, everybody. That's not all on Mike Smith. And let's not forget Mike Smith in game six and seven against L.A. was damn good. Give him that shot in game two, and we'll see how it goes. But crazy game, back and forth. I'll say this too, Tyler, and we'll get to you about this series first, but Connor McDavid's going to be a handful for this Calgary team because even though they lost 9-6, that guy was everywhere. He was dancing, he was making plays, scoring goals. He was a handful for the Calgary Flames, and he basically picked up right where he left off in Game 6 and 7 against L.A., where he was just dominant and all over the ice. And that's definitely something that Calgary is going to have to be mindful of. And, uh, uh, by the way, great quote from Daryl Sutter. Daryl Sutter with a classic after that game uh, last night uh, when they were asking him, because you know the high scoring up and down pond hockey nature of that game was probably frustrating to him uh, last night, but he had a hilarious uh, quote after that game. We were told that it was a boring series last time against Dallas. So I basically told the players to score seven to 10 goals tonight, knowing full well that they'd probably score five to eight so that we could win the game. So that's what we did. <laughs> all of it, of course, tongue in cheek, all of it, you know, ha ha ha. Uh, but that was a hilarious classic Daryl Sutter quote. Another example of why Daryl Sutter postgame press conferences are must-see 
TV. Uh, Tyler, uh, thoughts on the Battle of Alberta, and how's the uh, scene right now and the feel around you in Edmonton? No, it's it's like the weather. It's kind of uh, yeah, rainy and gloomy today. So, uh, but you know, it's one game. Uh, it's the same kind of situation that happened in LA. Um, they had a chance. You know, they came back and um, you know tied it up, and unfortunately, let one slip through uh, slip through their hands. As you mentioned, uh, you know, Markstrom wasn't sharp, and uh, when you get a goalie like that and a Vesna candidate again, that uh, when he's not on, you want to take advantage of those nights. So. Um, for them to rally and, and make that comeback, it was nice to see. But you can't give up goals, you know, immediately after scoring. And uh, ultimately, some backbreakers you needed to save for Miko. Uh, didn't get it. Uh, it's nice to see Connor. Obviously, he's the catalyst that uh, he's just on another, another level this playoff. And I think the Flames would even admit, you know, he's going to get his points. He's going to get his points. You can't contain him. Uh, but what can we do with, you know, other lines here? Um, their, their depth is going to play a factor, uh, and obviously the goaltending. Um, Smitty will be back. He'll be obviously pissed the last next, uh, you know, today and uh, thinking about it for for a while. And and yet he's a he's a veteran guy that'll that'll rebound. And um, you know, I've you know confidence in him. Oh, uh, no problem. So um, he's done it before. Um, he's their guy, and. Uh, and fans just uh, just enjoy the ride. It's it's a long series. There's a lot of ups and downs. There's a lot of emotions. Um, don't overanalyze it. Um, there's there's holes in Calgary's game where you know obviously the Oilers can expose. Uh, they scored six even strength goals last night. So six even strength goals and you still lost the game. Um, if they can you know clean things up and there's still nerves from some of their young guys. I'd like to see them be a little more physical and. Um, not uh, shed away from some of their guys, such as Luchik, and um, going after, you know, some of their big D. It's they're going to have a pushback. Um, they got to show team toughness because Calgary has got that brute strength and physicality. Yeah. They've got Calgary is up. built for a long playoff run. They did a good job uh, putting that team together for that. Oilers got to use their, you know, attributes um, the way they know they can, and um, it's going to be a long series too. Uh, I believe that's the case, but. Um, Hopefully they can uh, yeah, get one back uh, tomorrow night. Yeah, uh, by, by the way, there was some elite-level chirping going on last night between Matthew Kachuk and Evander Kane. But got a little personal, though, when Matthew Kachuk says, hey, you need money? You need some money? You want some money? Uh, of course, talking about his off-ice uh, gambling issues uh, in the past. Maybe a little out of bounds, but hey, sometimes you go there when you're in the heat of a playoff series. You don't like the other team. You don't like the other guy on the team. Maybe sometimes you'll go there. And Matthew Kachuk went there uh, with that comment about Evander Kane. And shout out to Keith Kachuk and Brady Kachuk and the Kachuk family. They were shown in the crowd a lot during the Kachuk hat trick. And how about uh, Keith Kachuk? That's the epitome of letting yourself go after retirement. The big boiler, the big pot belly. Uh, he's, he's, he's let himself grow a little bit uh, after his playing days. But hey, you know, he had a great career. If you want to, if you want to go that route. It's fine by me. Alex, uh, what did you think of Game 1, Battle of Alberta? I, I thought even funnier was the fact that his son gets the hat trick and he's not throwing his hat because it's his favorite hat, which is You're which right. is funny. I've, I've been in that position before, too. I've been in a game where there's a, a hat trick, and I'm like, I don't want to throw this hat. <laughs> like, I want to keep this one. But I thought that was pretty funny. But, uh, I mean, listen, this is what we all wanted, right? We, we, you know, we were all hyped up to see the Battle of Alberta in, in playoff form, and, and, and I don't think we expected to see exactly this, but – uh, it was much enjoyment for sure. I, I stayed away from betting the game uh, because I just wanted to see what the pace and tempo would be like. I definitely didn't expect this at all. And, you know, but the thing I did say, and like I said, the X factor of this series is which goaltender do you trust between Mike Smith or Jacob Markstrom? Well, Mike Smith, I mean, he gave up those goals early and seemed to be a bit rattled. Like you said, Nico Koskinen's not going to be, uh, you know, the answer to right the ship in my opinion. I mean, I get Oilers fans being upset, but at, you know, at the same time, it's like you guys could have done something about this during the trade deadline and, and chose not to. You chose to stick up the horses that brought you there, so you got to ride out the wave at this point now. But uh, on the flip side, Jacob Markstrom, I think, you know, him and the Flames learned a lesson. You know, you can't take your foot off the gas at any point against this Edmonton team because of the offensive talent they have. You know, if they had gotten five goals or three goals in, in five minutes against uh, Dallas, yeah, they could have, you know, sat on their heels the rest of the night because that game was, would have been, you know, just written in stone. But this Edmonton team's got a ton of talent. You start talking about McDavid and Dreisaitl, Zach Hyman and company, 
they have that firepower to, to come back and make it a game. And they sure enough did it tied it up. But unfortunately, it goes right back to the goaltending. and Koskin and giving up those goals late and, and Calgary uh, getting the win here. So, you know, Mike Smith, we've seen him be up and down for, for the last several years. We know he can he can turn it on when he can turn it on. But when he turns it off, man, the power is really off. So, and, and that's something he's going to have to, you know, figure out in game two. Uh, and it's interesting because I joked around. I said, maybe we'll see the total open at seven or seven and a half in game two. Sure enough, it opened six and a half again. So I wouldn't jump on the over with that because I still think we're going to see offense, but I don't think we're going to see, you know, 15 goals. But I think the offense is, is now opened up. And that's the thing I said about Calgary, too. Their offense, we saw it in, in you know, chip in year, game after game to the regular season. It's just that they're able to morph into playing whichever style they need to. They didn't need to play a high up and down style against Dallas. Dallas is a team that forces you in a box, and, and you got to you know you know pick your battles and, and pick your spots. And they were able to win that style, but they they can keep up with this running gun style that Edmonton sometimes prefers to play, even though it's maybe not to to uh, their liking. They probably would like to be a little bit more responsibly on the defensive end, but. These two teams can match up and play any kind of style they want. If they want to get physical and throw their body around, drop the gloves, they can do that too. So it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. But uh, Edmonton, they're going to have to get on the board early in game two for this to to kind of shift. Otherwise, if Calgary gets off to another hot start like that again, maybe we don't see a comeback uh, uh, after a 5-1 lead. Maybe Calgary really keeps that, that foot on the gas like they didn't do in the second period of game one. And then that could be some trouble for Edmonton moving forward. No doubt. No doubt. It's going to be a fascinating. Tyler, you sound like you want to say one more thing. Yeah, there, there's just so many storylines to this uh, to this series. Um, let's not forget Jacob Markstrom picked, uh, picked Calgary over Edmonton. Uh, Edmonton it's offered agency, him yeah. uh, just as much. So there's a lot of behind the scenes, obviously, Smitty playing for Calgary as well and a couple, you know, vice versa players. Uh, so there's a lot of things behind the scenes where, you know, mentally they're thinking, you know, I chose this for a reason. Um, I want to prove people wrong, and obviously you want to re- represent the city and the uh, um, team you're on. So that is that's true. I mean, uh, that's another thing now. The with that's a little added pressure, right? Because the Edmonton was in the mix for Markstrom. He ends up going to the other uh, team from Alberta, uh, and now of course you're playing them in the playoffs. So that that puts a lot on the uh, plate for uh, Jacob Markstrom going up ahead in this series as well speaking of going ahead we're going to go ahead to tonight we've got two more uh games in stanley cup playoff action we go to game two now of a couple of these second round series starting with in the east the tampa bay lightning and the florida panthers as the battle of florida continues tonight florida minus 160 uh home favorites total six and a half here uh, in this game tonight uh for florida this game is absolutely immense they lose tonight. They put themselves in a position where they have to win four of the next five with three of those games being on the road against the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions. That's going to be, a, I think, an impossible road for them uh, if they don't win tonight. So this is very vital for Florida. I like the way Florida came out in the first period. And I'm not going to make the mistake um, tonight that I made the other night where I put everything on Florida money line full game. Uh, and obviously, look, they had the one nothing lead after the first period, which was their best period, in my opinion. Uh, and then you look at it, they had chances to get, you know, extend the lead in the second. I thought their five on five game was pretty solid for the Florida Panthers, especially in the first two periods. But when you have Andre Vasilevsky, who made some key saves, Florida missed on a couple of point blank chances and they could never get it to two nothing. They could never get that game to two nothing in game one. And sure enough. Penalty for Florida. Tampa Bay capitalizes late in the second period. A terrific feed by Kucherov because he drew Ekblad to him, and he just had to lay it over there to Corey Perry, who had a tap in, a wide-open net, uh, to tie the game. And really, Tampa Bay took over the game from that point. They really did. The third period, we were on the BetCast Tuesday night. I mean, Tampa Bay was the better team in the third period. Uh, there's no question about that. Uh, they took over. They ended up winning 4-1. to one. Uh, and Vasilevsky shut the door, which now he has been doing really since game six overtime against Toronto in the first round. He has been absolutely spectacular. Uh, and that's a concern moving forward for the Panthers. That being said, this first 20 minutes tonight, I expect Florida to throw everything, including the kitchen sink, uh, at Andre Vasilevsky. They know they need 
a victory tonight. I expect them to be strong early. I don't love this minus 160. Hell, it's minus 165 in some spots with the Florida Panthers, but I do like them to come out strong early. They did that in game one. I think it's even more important they do that tonight as they face a potential 2-0 series deficit. So I like the first period puck line here, a minus a half, plus 150 for Florida. I think that's the best way to – I think if you like the Panthers tonight, that's the best bet on the board to take them tonight. It's that first period puck line minus a half, plus 150 uh, in terms of value, uh, in terms of opportunity. Uh, I think early in this game they need to be at their best, get a lead. They did that in game one. It was after that where Florida ran into issues. So I like that first period puck line here for Florida. Uh, I don't argue with the team. I would probably prefer if I'm going to look at anything full game for Florida – I'd prefer probably team total at three and a half minus 120. I would prefer that than minus 165. It's that old argument. And I've said this a million times this year. Why would you lay minus 165 with Florida on a money line bet? You could just go over three and a half minus 120, you know, at a much lower price. Because to be honest with you, and Andrew's mentioned this a couple days now on this show, if we expect Florida to win the game, do we really expect them to score fewer than four goals? You know, I, I think that's they're probably going to score four or more if they're going to win the game. So I like that as well. I think I like the first period bet more, but I also like the Florida team total over three and a half minus 120 a little bit. First game stayed under. I mean, I'm I'm lukewarm on the six and a half, to be quite honest with you. I'm lukewarm on it. I think this feels like because I because I think Florida's got to win it and I think they'll find a way to tie this series. If Florida is going to win this game, it's probably got a greater shot to go over the total. And I lean over six and a half, but do I love it? No, uh, not uh, not as much as the team total and certainly not as much as Florida in that uh, first period uh, puck line here tonight. Uh, Alex, what do you think here? Game two, Tampa Bay, Florida. So I made two bets, and one is the same one you have with that uh, first period puck line with Florida. They got plus 150 as well, leaning the half a goal. They have to come out uh, even hotter than they did in the first period in, in game two. And I also made a second bet, and it's going to lead to this is my – Bold prediction of the day. If Florida loses this game, they get swept. So I have I have Tampa wow. to win 4 nothing at plus 750 as well. If Florida loses this game, they're getting swept. They, they get a, a couple of days off, and then they have back-to-back games in Tampa, a Saturday afternoon and a Sunday night spot against Tampa. They're not they're not making it out. If they, if they go they go into that barn down 2-0, they're going home losing four straight. That's just the way I feel. And, and you because you've woken the giant now with Tampa. Vasilevsky's in his playoff form, like you said, ever since game six in overtime, this dude has looked like a brick wall. And that's what we've seen for the last two years in the postseason. And we were wondering, you know, with the fatigue kind of catch up with him over the years and in all these different games and having to play a lot during the regular season as well. Well, he's shaking all of that now. And now the, the rest of the team has seemed to rally around that. Uh, we saw the offense pick up even without Braden Point in the lineup. And that's once again the same thing with this with this club. It's always been a next man up mentality. Those third and fourth line guys chipping in goals. Uh, so, you know Corey Perry getting into the mix and, and, and getting the, to the front of the net. You know seeing some old vintage Corey Perry in, in those spots. Uh, if they overwhelm Florida again early in this game and get the win, they will pretty much win this series in four straight. But Florida, if they can come out in the first twenty minutes, dictate the pace of play, get at least one goal, but preferably two. Uh, then they have a fighter's chance and they can make a series out of this. So I think this series really comes down to the first 20 minutes of play tonight. Either Florida gets a lead, they get things rolling, they can tie the series up. If they go down and end up uh, you know, getting dominated in the latter half that they did in game one, this one will be over by, by the weekend. All right. I like the thought process. This is, there's a real true strategy and thought behind that, and, and it makes some sense. I mean, this could be backbreaking for the Florida Panthers if they don't win tonight and they go down 2 nothing. They have to go back to Tampa for game three and four, which, as you mentioned, because of a building conflict, you know, on Saturday night, which is when game three would have been in Tampa Bay. They've got to play Sunday and Monday uh, back to back instead. Well, what if Tampa is up two nothing? They win game three, three nothing. It's a back to back. And is Florida really going to be able to turn around that quickly 24 hours later and dig down with a savior season effort against a surging two time champ? I don't know. So that four nothing, it's it could it could it could happen if Florida doesn't win tonight. So that's why this is so significant here for the uh, Panthers. For player props for me uh, on this game, I'm going to go with Giroux because he's now on the top line, and Barkov is always someone that will dish the puck. 
So him, you know, just get a point shot to score a goal is worth a look. And he's had five points in the last three games, Giroux. If Carter Verhage plays, and now there is an if regarding his status tonight. He's a game-time decision, which would be absolutely a big blow for Florida. He's been their best forward. But I expect him to be in there. I just think by hook or crook he's going to play with how important this game is. And if he does play, I'm on Carter Verhage, minus 140 to score a point and plus 260 in some spots to score a goal tonight because he's been that good. And if the Panthers are going to win, if he plays, he'll have a say in it. And for Tampa, I'm going to go to Ross Colton, Nick Paul. You know, you can bet Stamkos, Kucherov, you know, uh, all the Kalorn. You can bet these big six forwards, top six forwards to uh, get the job done offensively. But I want the value. And Nick Paul and Ross Colton consistently offer up value with points, with uh, the goal scorer prop and shots on goal. They're undervalued compared to some of those other Tampa Bay player props. So I like those as well tonight. Uh, Colton and Paul for uh, Tampa Bay. Colton scored a goal in the Game 1 win. And, of course, we know Nick Paul was the unsung hero of Game 7 against Toronto with the two goals. Uh, Tyler, uh, what are you liking here, Tampa Bay, Florida? Yeah, good points, guys. Um, I think let's address, like, Florida really stacked up here to – to really for this series alone. They knew this is the team they need to beat. You know, obviously, defending cup champs. This is the one where why they got Giroux, uh, why they got extra depth. Um, I think Bob's going to have to obviously step up his game and be equivalent to, uh, obviously, Vasilevsky. It's it's tough to do, but that's the reason he's paid big bucks. So um, if he can uh, get his game in order to, to keep some low-scoring games to the Panthers' benefit, uh, they'll be okay. But... As Alex mentioned, um, they lose this game. They're in, they're in trouble. And uh, you go back to uh, to Sunrise and or uh, back to Tampa, and uh, uh, it makes it a up steep uh, hill to climb. So um, I, I like Tampa's experience. They they just uh, it feels like they can toy a little bit, and if they can uh, they can play in the tight tacking games, they can open it up, um, and then they got some motivation when they just add key pieces. They you know, with with Perry here wanting to get a cup and and going to another contender, it's uh, um, you know obviously Toronto getting over that series and they they left them off the hook for, uh, but yeah, I, I like Tampa, but I like Florida back um, bouncing back in uh, in game two here. So yeah, all right. So like in Florida here uh, is Tyler in game two here to tie up this year, which I think they will do, but uh, I also could see kind of game one where it's a great start. And maybe unable to close, unable to finish. And here's Vasilevsky again, right? One nothing or two nothing, or hell, maybe even two to one. And they're getting chances. We think they might get an insurance goal. He's stopping them time and time again. And Tampa Bay comes down, ties the game, and then they get big momentum and win after that. And that's the beauty of, of playing the first period puck line and playing anything first period is that because yeah. if you see, even if it cashes, but Tampa Bay is dominating the pace of play, well, now we're getting even better than plus 140 to bet them live in game. Uh, so you can you know, try and cash another ticket there. Absolutely. So it could set it up where, you know, if you get out of Dodge with the Florida win, but it didn't look like it was a dominant first period by any stretch for them, then a Tampa Bay live bet could be in the cards for you. All right, Western Conference, second round. Game two, St. Louis Blues, Colorado Avalanche, Colorado minus 240. Uh, home favorites here, six and a half the total in this game. Uh, of course, the Avalanche. Look, I had St. Louis as a best bet in the first period. Uh, on Tuesday's show, plus 155 first period, hung on with that one, uh, one nothing. they led after the first period of game two, even though even in the first periods, that was actually St. Louis's best period, and yet Colorado probably still had the better chances and the greater chances uh, in that game. So uh, definitely a sit- uh, in that period, but in the second and the third period in particular, it was all Colorado. I mean, this was just all Jordan Bennington doing everything he can to keep the team afloat. Uh, in the game, he did as good as he could have asked. Uh, they got the game to overtime. They, when it was 2-1 Colorado in the third period, oh my gosh, the chances that they had to make it 3-1. They just could not bury uh, any of their chances, could not find the back of the net. And of course, Jordan Cairo uh, ends up coming down to the ice and tying the game late in the third. Ryan O'Reilly uh, was outstanding. He's been great all playoffs for St. Louis. But other than that, uh, a lot of the Blues forwards need to pick up their game a bit. And finally, of course, Colorado, with a, that's all you need to do. You don't have to pound a slap shot from the blue line. All you need to do is watch what Josh Manson did uh, in overtime for Colorado in game one. A nice little feathery wrister 
don't you don't have to put everything on it just to get it through the shot blockers get it through the traffic get it to the net and it ended up in the net for the overtime winner uh great job by manson that's how it's done to get the puck uh through uh in a spot like that so a uh, nice win for colorado they deserved the win uh, obviously it was much harder than they need than it, they pro- it probably should have been because of binnington but they got the win this game tonight now it feels like game three nashville colorado where after game two, Connor Ingram stood on his head. He was Connor Brodeur for one night, uh, last series in game two. Remember, it was 2-1 in overtime for Colorado. And in that game, the only reason it got to overtime was because of Connor Ingram for Nashville. And I said after that game, well, that, that kid played great, but hold on now. Watch it in game three. Watch the floodgates open uh, against this kid. All those goals that should have went in in game two, watch them go in. Uh, in game three that's exactly what happened what colorado put up a seven spot eight spot in nashville uh, in game three of that series in the first round and ingram obviously nowhere close to what he did in game two now this is a better goalie this is jordan bennington this is a guy that's won a stanley cup you know he's played a lot of games it's a step up from connor ingram but it still has that same kind of feel to me tonight you know that all those goals that could have went in in game one for colorado against jordan bennington the floodgates may open tonight potentially in game two so i like over six and a half this this is the over i like i mean you look at it people on the on the over in game one that was a tough beat you know it ended three two there were a million chances for colorado they had five bells of saint mary's five times the bells of saint mary's went off behind jordan bennington in that game five goal posts uh for the colorado avalanche so that tells you all you need to know right there uh they could add a lot more than the three goals they ended up with. So that's my strongest opinion from a side or total perspective in this game. It's the over. You know, rather than a side, because I think St. Louis has a better game in them, and they better hope so, uh, because if not, they're going to get railroaded uh, in this series. But I don't know if I've got the faith in them to actually go into Denver and win. I'm sure they'll be better in some areas. But at the same point in time, Colorado's going to attack them in waves. I don't know if St. Louis has the defense, especially without Tory Krug, who's still out to be able to defend that. Uh, and you're just going to have to hope Bennington's, you know, just absolutely a brick wall and standing on his head one more time. And I'm not sure you can bank on that being the case again in game two, like it was in game one. So um, I- I'm certainly not laying it with Colorado, but I'm a little hesitant to pull the trigger on the blues, either first period or full game. Like I did in game one, I, I-, I like the over more than anything here uh, over six and a half. And even the team total on Colorado, you know, is three and a half at minus. It's at minus one seventy. It's pretty high, but I thought it would be four and a half. Actually, the team total for the Avs. So I don't mind the three and a half if you know you're okay with paying the juice there. But I like over six and a half here, minus one twenty, uh, or actually minus one thirty, uh, more than anything in this game. Uh, Tyler, what do you think here? Game two, Blues Avalanche. Yeah, I agree with the over on that too. Um, you get Colorado speed and depth. Uh, I just don't think the Blues can keep up and match that. Um, I see even in this series, if, if Colorado, even St. Louis needs their power plays, Colorado, I don't see getting into penalty trouble, uh, to play catch up. If the blues get leads, uh, they're going to come in waves, like you mentioned, and, um, it's going to come down to just, yeah, Kemper just being solid. He doesn't have to be spectacular, just be solid, make the saves when he needs to, uh, and Pink Tim's going to have to stand on his head again. He's going to have to be, you know, when they when they won the cup days to to even consider this a close series so uh, as you see colorado choose teams usually two to one here as they did last game um and i think yeah they're gonna they're gonna claim a two nothing lead here after after tonight good stuff from a prop standpoint uh so you like colorado and also like the over uh six and a half year tyler with this game but from a prop standpoint for me Ryan O'Reilly's a must bet every game. I mean, St. Louis will, I think, find the back of the net tonight. I don't know about win the game because I think they're giving up, you know, a, a few goals tonight uh, after I think Bennington's going to really be in tough to duplicate what he did uh, in game one. But I like O'Reilly. And a great point by Rich in the chat about the three Blues players that didn't have a shot on goal in game one. Buchnevich, Rob, uh, Pavel Buchnevich, Robert Thomas, Vladimir Tarasenko. I think they're all good prop looks, those three guys, because of that. They know they've got to step up. No shots on goal is unacceptable from those three guys. They're great offensive players for St. Louis. They need to make more of an impact. They've got to get to the areas of the ice where they're going to get those chances. Uh, They can't have zero shots on goal, period. Those three guys can't have that. Certainly not two games in a row. So, 
I would expect those three be more aggressive, get to those areas to get those chances. So I don't mind those props on, you know, Buchnevich, Robert Thomas, Vladimir Tarasenko, all very quiet in game one, but good players. Uh, they might be worth a look for a point, for a goal, shots on goal, those type of props tonight. And for Colorado, you know I'm going to bet. Valerie Nachushkin, big Val. You have to. This guy's been automatic for me from a prop player prop perspective for weeks now. Whether it's scoring a goal, collecting a point, shots on goal, playing on that top line, big Val Nachushkin has been remarkable uh, for the Colorado Avalanche. So he's far none my favorite Avalanche prop again. Uh, tonight and McKinnon over shots on goal. I'm sick of saying I should be betting it and not betting it and seeing it win and cash night in and night out. I mean, Nate McKinnon, guys, has got like eight, nine, six, seven shots on goal, it seems, every game. I mean, that's what he's getting uh, right now in terms of shots on goal. And he's just, he's hell bent on winning a second round, I believe, for the first time. He's playing like it, he's doing everything in his power to will this team to victory. And he's shooting the puck a lot, he's putting the puck on net repeatedly uh, for the uh, Colorado Avalanche. So uh, overshots in terms of uh, McKinnon. I'm sick of not betting it and seeing it win night in and night out. So I'm going to be on that as well here uh, in this game tonight. Uh, Alex, what do you think here? Game two, Blues, Avs. You know, I, I'm with everybody, and it's funny somebody in the chat mentioned, yeah, the whole public likes the over as well too. And, and how can you not? Like I said, you look at Colorado, uh, you know, it's one thing to hit posts, from, you know, the top of the crossbar or, you know, the, a scrum in front. And Tyler, you can probably test this too. But when, a, you know, a team's hitting posts and they're, they're clearly beating the goalie, it's just that they didn't go in the net. They hit the post behind them. Uh, that's got to be, you know, you got to feel some kind of way about that because, I mean, essentially the puck did beat you. So, you, you know, you wonder for in Bennington's mind, it's got to be, okay, well, you know, the puck was on my side a little bit. You know, the post kind of helped me out. But this could have been a, a 8-1 to one or a 9-1 to one disaster. Uh, if the puck goes a quarter inch the other way, that's, you know, and you look at how Bennington has been kind of up and down this particular season. Like I said, he hasn't been in the form exactly of what we saw uh, back in 2019. He, you know, there's a reason why Huso started that first series and, and the way he emerged as the backup, but you know, he, he's, you know, his confidence, you wonder if that defense in front of him, like I said, they're banged up, but they've got to really kind of rally together and say, Hey, we got to, you know, make sure that these pucks don't even get to him. Let's, let's block some shots. Let's be a little bit more responsible in front of him. So he won't have to make a bunch of 10 bell saves uh, right away. He said, Colorado's going to come in waves. Everyone in the world knows that, but they got to plan for it and prepare for that, especially early in this contest. And Ian, I wish I had done the same thing as you had played the, the first period with uh, St. Louis, I went with the full game thinking that maybe Colorado could be a bit rusty. St. Louis could get some momentum early and, and run away with the game. That was far from the case. Like I said, even with them getting that one, nothing league, Colorado dominated the pace start to finish. Uh, and that's more than likely what they're going to do here again. I like the over, but I'm not going to get six and a half and, and lay this price. I'm going to wait for it to drop to five and a half. I think we see a little bit more defense early. Now, you're not going to get a plus price at five and a half because you try to wait that long, chances are there'll be a goal. So I'm going to be trying to look for 125, 130, same thing you'd lay right now, but I just want to get the better number at five and a half. That's the way I'll approach it for tonight. All right, very good. So looking at a live over to get maybe a better number and better price with that here for game two with uh, St. Louis and uh, Colorado. Uh, there we go. Great stuff. Indeed. All right. There you go. That is the two games uh, tonight. We've got uh, lo looking forward to both of them. Game two. We'll see what kind of response the uh, Blues and the Panthers have uh, trailing uh, one nothing here tonight in game two. Uh, great stuff as always. Another great uh, special guest performance uh, on the show from Tyler Wyman. Our guests have been uh, terrific throughout the playoffs here on the Ice Guys show. 140 live viewers hit the like button. Uh, we appreciate that. We'll get to best bets in just a second, but first we'll remind you, as always, about DraftKings Sportsbook, official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL team, get $150 in free bets if they win. If DraftKings Sportsbook isn't available to you, you can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Sign up for an account. Use the promo code THPN. Uh, bet just $1 on any NHL team. Get $150 in free bets if they win. That's promo code 
THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 years of age or older. Must reside in a DraftKings Sportsbook state. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Sign up for an account. Use the promo code THPN. All right. Best bets to wrap it up for the Thursday edition of the Ice Guys. Alex, we'll start with you. What do you like for best bet? Yeah, everybody loves a good two-for-one, so I give you guys a two-for-one special tonight. I'm going with the Florida Panthers on the first period puck line, then laying a half a goal at plus 150. And I'm also giving you a future Tampa exact series plus uh, 750 for them to win 4 nothing in a sweep. Uh, like I said, I feel that Florida's got to come out dominating this first period to stand a chance, and, and even if they do cash that first period puck line, if, if it's just where they, okay, they get a goal, they come out with a one nothing lead, we might see Tampa just bounce right back and dominate the next 40 minutes of play. Vasilevsky making big saves, and they could still end up winning this this game, making it a 2 nothing series, which means it has to go back to Tampa for games three and four, which, keep in mind, it's a back-to-back Saturday afternoon into a Sunday night. Florida goes down 2 nothing, they end up getting swept out of here. So I'm going to go with Florida first period puck line, and I'm also going to go with Tampa exact series 4 nothing plus 750. Those are my two best bets. There we go. And the hope is, you know, one one or the other or both still, because Florida could actually win the first period tonight, lose the game, yeah. and still be a, a risk to get swept. Exactly. Right. You know, so it's, a, it's an interesting strategy. So there you go. Florida minus a half, plus 150, first period for game two tonight, and also Tampa to sweep the series 4 nothing at plus 750. There you go for Alex B. Smith. Best bets for the uh, Thursday edition of the Ice Guys. Tyler, we've got a comment from someone in the uh, chat here. I just uh, saw it a minute ago. Uh, I got to see Tyler in Laredo as a Colorado Eagle. Uh, what a throwback. So there you go. Someone recognizes you. Remember seeing you play. That was the first championship, uh, first year pro year. Yeah, we won the championship that year, the lockout. A uh, good bunch of guys. And um, that's where the Avs now have their farm team in, uh, in Fort Collins, Colorado. Right. So right. great situation, great city, great people. Uh, obviously love the, the state of Colorado. All right, we better fact check this comment too. Curb eighty four. Tyler beat me in golf one time. Really? Wow. Who would that? Who would this be? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. No. Uh, but uh, interesting. <laughs> Tyler beat me in golf one time. Someone says in our YouTube chat. Uh, like I say, we'll see if that's fact or fiction. I don't know, but uh, uh, nevertheless, great comments. It's pretty cool. So someone remembers you from the uh, Colorado Eagle days. Uh, great stuff indeed there. All right, Tyler, here's your first time on the ice, guys. Uh, maybe we'll get you back sometime if you can make it fit the schedule. But nevertheless, um, your first time on the show, your first chance for a best bet. What do you like? I like, obviously, tonight's game with uh, with the Avs. Um, that six and a half, so uh, definitely bet on that. Um they're uh, they're rolling on all cylinders here right now. So um, obviously St. Louis in tough. So the chances they've got in uh, in game one, I think they're going to generate the the same amount, if not more, and capitalize on um, those chances to uh, to surpass that to, to obviously take a two nothing series lead. All right, there we go. It is St. Louis, Colorado over six and a half minus one thirty for Tyler Wyman with his best bet, and that's uh, ditto for me. Uh, best bet is the same: St. Louis, Colorado. Uh, over six and a half, minus 130. Honorable mention of the puck line play on the Panthers. I like that in the first period. I like that a bit, quite a bit as well. But I'm going to go with the Blues abs uh, over six and a half, minus 130. This feels like Nashville, Colorado, game three. This is the exact same situation. The goalie before facing Colorado stood on his head, and then the next game, the floodgates opened uh, in game three, Colorado, Nashville. It was Ingram in that game. I think you could see that even with Bennington tonight. Stood on his head last game, but now Colorado's going to get theirs. Five, maybe six goals from Colorado. I could see that tonight. Uh, and you get a few from St. Louis as well, and there's your over. I think we could see something like that tonight. So uh, St. Louis, Colorado, over 6.5, minus 130 uh, for my best bet here for this Thursday uh, NHL uh, slate. And that's a wrap for the Ice Guys. We thank everybody for joining us. A reminder, the Ice Guys is live seven days a week. Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday and Sunday, noon Eastern. If you can't watch the show live, download the Ice Guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. Download the Ice Guys podcast if you can't watch the show live. Uh, Rory McIlroy is leading the PGA Championship right now for those interested in the golf. I know Alex is not one of those people. Uh, but uh, a lot of people are, so uh, there you go. Rory's leading the PGA Championship right now. A little update there. 
Uh, great stuff. Tyler, uh, we'll let you say a few final words. Uh, thanks for joining us on the show. Uh, what do you want to say before we wrap it up? Thanks for having me, guys. No, I, I appreciate it. Uh, glad to glad to hop on, and uh, yeah, more than happy to to do this again in in the future. We'll uh, obviously be paying attention to the two tonight and uh, the ones uh, coming up here in the second round. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you for joining us, and that's a wrap for Alex B. Smith, our special guest, Tyler Wyman. I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great Thursday night. Enjoy the games and good luck, and we will talk to you again tomorrow on Friday, another edition of the Ice Guys presented by the Hockey Podcast Network.